Bob Hall. I'm one of the pastors here at Heartland Baptist Fellowship. I'm the pastor over the Berean class. And if you're, if you're new to our church and haven't been here long, every fifth Sunday we, we kind of just uh, take some time and go through the Lord's Supper. So about four or five times a year we do that. And also one of the pastors usually goes on a rotation and preaches that day. That just gives us some exposure to everybody and gives us a chance to actually uh, to speak to you. So it's a privilege to be here this morning. It's a privilege to be in this church to be honest with you. And uh, I think my wife and I have been here a little over 13 years. And the reason we come is because of this right here. This is a Bible-preaching church. And uh, don't take that for granted, guys. That's, uh, you don't have that in every church in our country. And so not only that, our, our church here, and we saw, if you were here the first hour, you saw some of the ministries that go on in our church, uh, but this is a ministry-minded church. It starts off with our little kids over in the E-Wing. Uh, we teach the kids the Bible. How many of you went to, to Sunday school when you were a kid? Any of you? Many of us did. You, taught, you were taught those lessons in, in, from, a early, from an early age, and uh, you know we, we may have... Sw- uh, wandered since then, but yet the Lord's good and he brings us back. And we saw some of that uh, today, this morning already. But so we have that, we even te- we actually even teach the adults here. I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, we have, you know, we, we've got Sunday morning, we've got Wednesday night Bible study, we have ladies Bible studies going on. Uh, for you men, if you don't know this, we have Saturday uh, breakfast and, and Bibles once a month. So if you haven't done that, uh, come and check that out. But the Bible is being taught all the time at our church. And then we have Discipleship One. So that's when everybody's involved in teaching the Bible. And so if you've not been through Discipleship One, I, I would say I would suggest that you sign up for that because you just get to sit down with some normal folk and go through the Word of God and see how the Word of God applies to your life and see how the word of God, how you use it in your life, how you use it at work, how you use it at home and with your family. And uh, we already heard this morning, I think somebody said discipleship changed her life. I think that was Kelly. And that's the same thing with me. I, I was a Christian for a long time. But, and when I went through discipleship, then I could back up what I'd been taught. And so discipleship is, is, is awesome. And then we have Discipleship 2, which, which actually starts this week. And so it's a little more in-depth Bible teaching. And so it's a, a, a several-month course to go through that. And then if, if the Lord's leading you, you can go to our Bible Institute. So the Bible is being taught almost every day in this church. And that's a good thing. Okay. And so and if you look around, it's kind of wearing our building out. So we're going to need to replace some things in our building, but that's a good thing because our building is being used. Okay. And so as I thought about that, what, what I was going to speak on this morning, and we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes, I thought it would be, it would be a tragedy if someone comes to our church service this morning, goes through the message, goes through uh, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, and then walks out those doors but don't really realize what the Lord's Supper is about and doesn't really understand what's going on here today. 
And in fact, I think in a lot of churches around our country and around the world, people take communion or they take the Lord's Supper and they have no idea why. And, you know, we're, we're from Missouri here, right? you got to show us. And so we want to know why. And so what I want to do today is just take some time out and go through, you know, it's, uh, understanding what the Lord's Supper is about. And let me tell you, I still will not give you all the understanding today. I'm going to go through some elements of it. And you may be here today and you may, you may say, Bob, I've been in church for 60 years. I, I've, I've went through probably hundreds of the Lord's Supper. I've got this down. I've got, I got it. Well, let me tell you, you don't. <laughs> uh, I've taught stories in the Bible. I, I heard stories in the Bible, like I mentioned earlier, when I was in Sunday school, Bible school, you know, all those things. I grew up. I've taught them to my kids. I taught them to other kids. I've taught them to high school kids. I've taught them to, to adults. And just when I think, oh, I have got this story nailed, I open up the Bible and read it, and God shows me something else. Just when I think I have arrived, God says, no, no, no. You're just getting started. And so today I want to go through what I call the five W's, the who, what, where, when, and why of the Lord's Supper. And uh, when, I, when I was a kid going to school, I, I did fairly well in school when I applied myself. I don't know if you guys were like that. But I had a teacher that taught me, you know, you want to find out about something, you got to dig for the facts. you got to dig in and find out, you know, all the elements of whatever you're looking at, whether it's, whether it's a job, whether it's sports, whether it's something else, you've got to check out the facts. You know, kind of like Joe Friday. Anybody in here remember who Joe Friday was? Okay, it tells you how old I am. Okay, the, the show dra- uh, Dragnet, right? And there was two guys that played on that. One of them was Joe Friday, and I don't remember his name. And his partner was the guy that you may remember this, Colonel Potter and Mash. That was his partner. And I remember to this day, they would, it was a police show, and so they'd go to a scene of a crime or something, and, and they'd try to find the facts. And then the people would just, you know, they'd just tell everything they knew to, to, the, to the, uh, uh, Joe Friday and his partner, the investigators. And he would say, just the facts, ma'am. Just, just give me the facts, and we'll sort it out, <laughs> okay? Well, that's kind of what I want to do today. I want to just look at the facts. Before I get started, I want to, I want to pray right quick. And I want to pray for our Pastor Randy Foster who's sitting in the back today. And he's not feeling real well. And so I want to pray that he starts feeling better just because he, he's our pastor, he's our friend, and, and uh, I want him to feel better. So uh, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started. Father in heaven, we just come before you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises that are found in your word. And we, we thank you that if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, that those promises, uh, a lot of those promises come to us. And we thank you for those. And so, Lord, I, I pray for Pastor Randy this morning. I pray that you would just help his, his health this morning, help him to feel better, help him uh, to, just, to, to, just to start feeling better, Lord. And, and I don't know how to do that, and uh, I'm asking you to do that. So we just pray for that, pray that you'd give me the words to say. And I just pray for our message. We thank you for the beautiful rain that we're getting. And I just ask your blessing upon our message and on the Lord's Supper and the rest of our day today. So that, amen. All right. So, the who, what, where, when, and why of the Lord's Supper. So I want you to turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 14. And we're going to start in verse 12 through 26. You'll find the Lord's Supper in three Gospels. 
You'll find it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It kind of skirts around the edge of it in the book of John. And so, you, like everything else, you've got to put all three of them together. In fact, all four of the Gospels together to get the complete picture of what's going on with the Lord's Supper this morning. And so we're trying to find out just the facts this morning. So that's where we're going to go to. Mark chapter 14, 12 through 26. And I'm going to read through this and then we'll back up and see what we can pull out of it. Starting in verse 12. It says, In the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said unto him, Where wilt thou that we go and prepare that thou mayest eat? The Passover. And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and he saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good man of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth, and they came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve, and as he sat and did eat, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, one of you which eateth with me shall betray me. And they began to be sorrowful, and to say unto him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered, He said unto them, It is one of the twelve that dippeth with me in the dish. The Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Good were it for that man if he had never been born. And as, he, and as they did eat, Jesus took bread, and he blessed, and he brake, and he gave it to them, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So there we have one account of the Lord's Supper. So right off, I want to talk about who initiated the Lord's Supper. So if you're paying attention, I'll just have somebody shout out, who was it that initiated the Lord's Supper? It was Jesus. It was the Lord. That's why it's called the Lord's Supper. So you guys are on track. Okay, that's that's easy. They may get harder as we go. But anyway, Jesus is the author of, of the Lord's Supper. Now, you may have never thought about this, but... While he was there, it was, it was Jesus, it was the 12 disciples. Now, how did it get passed on to the church? Did you ever think about that? How did it go from the 12 disciples to the New Testament church? And since we all are New Testament church people here, and this is the New Testament church, we need to know that. And so how was the Lord's Supper uh, passed on to the church? Well, now I want you... To, I want you to mark uh, Mark chapter 14, because we'll be coming back to that. And I want you to go over to the passage that most of the time we read when we go through the Lord's Supper uh, ordinance here at this church. And that's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 23 through 27. And so let me, let me read that, because uh, this will kind of you know, get, it, get it up to speed to where we are. Verse 23, Paul is speaking. And the context here is Paul is giving instructions 
to the church at Corinth because he had already given them instructions on the Lord's Supper, but they were messing it up. Can you imagine that? Somebody messing something up. And they were messing up the Lord's Supper, so he has, he's writing to them in the book of 1 Corinthians along with the other things that they were messing up to give them some instruction on, on how to do things right. So in verse 23, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. And I'm going to stop right there. But what he's doing, he's giving the church at Corinth the instructions on the Lord's Supper. And we take that same instructions today. Okay? And so Paul gave the instructions to the New Testament church of the Lord's communion. But you, th- you got to stop and think about, okay, so where did Paul get it? He wasn't there. He wasn't in the upper room when the Lord com- uh, uh, commenced the, 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 the Lord's Supper. So he had to get it from somewhere. Well, I'm glad you're asking good questions today because we can answer that, okay? Where did Paul get the Lord's Supper of what he had received. Well, let me tell you, he got at the same place that he received the gospel. Remember, Paul was going around and he was, you know, he was going to the Gentiles and his main mission was to give the gospel. And at several times he calls it his gospel. And when you read that in the Bible, you're like, no, wait a minute, Paul, you're just putting yourself a little bit too far up on the pedestal when you start calling it your gospel. But where did he get that gospel? Where did he get that from? He got it from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Okay? Because he says here, for I, verse 23, which I just read, for I have received of the Lord. Remember Paul? He's, uh, uh, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was a religious fanatic. He hated Christians. He had papers from the from the, uh, the, the high priest and, and, and the religious leaders at Jerusalem to, um, to go to Damascus to capture any Christians that he could find and to bring them back, to imprison them, and perhaps even kill them. And he was on the job. He was what I would call a company man. I mean, he was doing it. He was on the road to Damascus, and you guys know the story. Who did he meet? The Lord Jesus Christ. And his life was never the same. Hopefully that was the same way with all of us. When we met the Lord Jesus Christ, our life is never the same. But yet he's, he's, he was blinded and yet he was told to go into to Damascus. And at the same time, you guys know the story. There's a man in Damascus by the name of Ananias. And Ananias gets a visit from the Lord. And he says, I want you to go visit a man that's going to be coming here to Damascus. And I'm sure Ananias at that point is saying, yes, sir, wherever you want me to go, sir, who's it to? And he says, it's to, it's to uh, a guy by the name of Saul. And can you imagine what Ananias thought at that time? He's probably thinking, uh, you talking to me, Lord? You really, you want me to go 
to, to talk to this guy Saul because this guy Saul is coming to, to Damascus to get Christians and I'm top of the list. And yet we know that what did God tell him? He goes, yes, I want you to go talk to, to Saul because he is a chosen vessel for me for why I'm going to send him to three groups of people. But the number one group was to Gentiles. He is going to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So Paul went to Damascus. He met Ananias and he spent three years in Damascus. And the Lord Jesus Christ brought him out on the backside of the desert and gave him his degree. Call it a BD degree, backside of the desert. But anyway, it was the Lord Jesus Christ that taught Paul what he needed to know. Okay. So we know that Paul received instructions. He received instructions of the gospel, but he also received the instructions of the Lord's Supper to pass out to those New Testament churches that was going to be founded. So uh, back in our text here, verse 23, it says, For I, Paul, have received the Lord that which I, well, we saw the received there, of which also I delivered unto you. Paul was faithful in taking not only the gospel, but all the instructions that God had given him to give to those new Christians, to give to those new churches, but have been passed all the way down to us. Okay? He was faithful and delivering it to them. Okay? He received it again by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So turn over in your Bible a few chapters more to Galatians chapter 1. Just a book or two over. And I want to I want to kind of explain what I've been saying. Verse 11 says, verse 1 of Galatians says, "But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which is preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I'm just trying to bring my point home. Paul got his instructions from the Lord Jesus himself. That included the gospel. It included the Lord's Supper, along with whatever else that he taught. Okay. Now... Paul was the gospel, was the, was the uh, man that God used to bring the gospel and these things to the Gentiles, to the, to the New Testament church. Do you think Paul gave everything that God gave him to the church? Do you think that when Paul instructed his, his uh, disciples, uh, specifically Timothy, do you think he gave him everything that the Lord gave him? I know he did. I know he did. And so, and you know he did, because yes, Paul left nothing out. He left nothing out that he had received. And again, we're going to bounce over to the book of, of Acts, and I'll we're look at that real closely. Acts chapter—I don't know if we have it on the board yet—but Acts chapter twenty, and verses seventeen and twenty, and I'll expound on that just a little bit. Paul's on his way to Jerusalem. He's wanting to talk to the leaders at the church of Ephesus. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 17. Because he's, he's come in. He doesn't come in all the way to town. He, he's in a hurry. So he stops before he can get to Ephesus. And he sends word for them to come meet him. Verse 17 says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus. And he called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know. 
from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. He goes, guys, you know me. Verse 19, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying and weight of the Jews. He goes, guys, you know the problems I've had. You know what I've done when I've been here. And he was at Ephesus for at least two plus years. Verse 20, he says, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. Paul was all about getting people saved. He was all about getting the gospel, but he was all about getting the churches established, and he taught them everything that he knew. That he knew okay? He taught them publicly, and he taught them from house to house privately. It was what Paul did. So Paul delivered the Lord's Supper to the churches. The Lord's Supper was started by Jesus. It was initiated by him, but it was passed on to the New Testament churches and passed on down to us through the Apostle Paul under the instruction of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk about where next. Where was the Lord's Supper held? So again, back to Mark (laughs) chapter 14. In Mark chapter 14, back to the passage that we read. We'll read a few more verses, but let's read verse 13. It says, And he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say unto the good men of the house, The master saith, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and prepared. There make it ready for us. And his disciples went forth, and he came into the city, and found as he had said said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. Well, first of all, let me just point this out. Do you think those two disciples were shocked when they found everything as Jesus had said? Now, I don't know about you. I'm kind of a doubting guy, you know, and it probably take, I don't know how long it would take me following Jesus to realize that, hey, whatever this guy says, it's as good as gold. And, you know, a lot of times when we pray to the Lord, we get shocked because he answers our prayer. Anybody here like that, or is it just me? Probably you guys are great. I'm just going to preach to myself today. No, it's, I'm like, I'm shocked, and I'm over and over I'm shocked. And I'm like, why? He's always answered my prayer. didn't always answer it the way I wanted it, but it was always answered. And yet I just, here's these guys, they go in. And so they go in. Okay, so you're saying, Bob, it's real simple. It says right there in verse 13, it's in the city. Okay, well, yeah, it was in the city, verse 13, but which city? See, you got to be precise. I'm one of those guys that once, you know, my, my T's crossed and the I's dotted. I want it all put together. So I just don't want to assume. So how do we know which city? Well, let's try to narrow it down a little bit. And uh, I've noticed my, my stop clock up there doesn't move. Does that mean I just get to go as long as I want, guys? Well, let me give you a little secret. I'm not going to pay attention to it anyway. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. <laughs> Because I've got you guys all here. But uh, go back to chapter 14 at the very first few verses. And it says in verse 1, after two days. Now hold on to that. After two days was the feast of the Passover of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. 
But they said, not on the feast day. Hold on to that. Lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spike nard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and saying, why was this waste of the ointment made? And it goes, I'll stop the story there because you guys know the story. So what I want to point out is that two days before the, the feast of the Passover, he's in Bethany. Well, maybe the city is Bethany. Okay. The only problem with that is Bethany is never referred to as a city. In fact, if we study out Bethany in the New Testament, Bethany is little more than a village that's on the east side of the Mount of Olives, just a little over two miles from Jerusalem. So I'm thinking through this now in my little brain that I have, and I'm like, okay, so two days before the Passover, two days before the Lord's Supper, he's in Bethany, so he's got to be close by. He can't be too far. We know that Bethany's a village. We know that the Mount of Olives is not a city. It's, it's a place. And it's not like he could jump on a jet plane and, and they could, the disciples could jump on a jet plane or a train and go somewhere in two days and, and be at a different city. I mean, we could do that, but, you know, back then you either had to walk, you had to, you know, ride an animal, you know, ride a wagon, and, you know, you stayed pretty close to probably where you were going to go to the synagogue or, 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 or whatever, or whatever you were doing. And, and that's not quite so today. Like today, I mean, how many of you in this room had to travel probably farther than two miles to get here? Everybody? Everybody? Richard? Judy, do you guys live farther than two miles? No? Do you walk here? You walk? No, no you don't walk. <laughs> okay, that's why you drive. Okay, so we know it has to be close. And so if it's two miles probably from Jerusalem, what's the most logical guess then? What city is it? Jerusalem. Okay, but we got to go a little farther. So back in our text, remember, it's two days before the Passover. Back in the text, it talks about in an upper room. Remember, Jesus told him, he told the disciples, he goes, I want you to go to the city, and when you go into the city, and I want you to watch this, verse 13, go into the city, and there shall meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. I was reading that, and I'm like, do a double take. I'm thinking that the disciples go into the city, and they find the man with the pitcher of water. That's really not how it's worded here in the book of Mark. In the book of Mark, the man finds them. And can you imagine, we're close to Passover time, that city is packed, full of people. It would be like going into, you know, Kansas City on a holiday or when they're having some kind of a special uh, day going on where it's just packed full of people. And can you imagine telling somebody, well, I just, hey, hey guys, I want you to meet some friends of mine. I just want you to head up to Kansas City and look for him." Uh, don't think that's going to happen. But the man found the disciples, okay? So just don't miss that. So he says it's in the upper room. Okay, so it's in a city. It's in an upper room. 
Now my time's back on track, so I'm sorry, guys. But anyway, uh, upper room, and it's not just any old upper room. It was a large upper room. Now, why do you think it had to be large? Because it had to fit Jesus, 12 disciples. It's got to fit 13 people in there. Now, if 13 people come over to your house for, for dinner today, tonight, are you going to set them all down at the kitchen table? Anybody in here can do that? I don't think so. How about the dining room table? You could fit them all. Your di- you have 13 places in your dining room table. Would they be scrunched in? Okay, they would be scrunched in. But anyway, this room is, is a large room, but it's also a furnished room. It has furniture in it. Now, I don't know what kind of furniture they have, but, you know, in my dining room, I've got a table, i got chairs, and I'm like you, Sharon. I'd have to bring in every chair I have to put it in there to get 13 people in there, and then it would be, you know, eating like this. It's kind of like that with eight, let alone 13. But it's a furnished room, and I'm going somewhere with this, so hang with me. And so the next thing it says that it was a prepared upper room. They have everything in that room. They got furniture, and what else would you need to be able to eat a, a meal? You got to have the utensils. You got to have the plates. You got to have uh, the, the cups. You got to have whatever you would need to eat the meal, okay? And so do you think it had, you know, you know plates, knives, forks? I mean, if you come to my house... And we have a dinner, and, and I don't put a plate out for you guys to eat. You're going to think, or forks or knives out there. You're going to think that's kind of weird, right? Okay. Um, have you ever ate without utensils, guys? Anybody in here? Okay. At, at times? Okay. But um, I once was on a, a mission trip to Uganda, Africa. And, and uh, uh, Randy and Julie will probably appreciate this story. So we were in this... In this uh, a lady that went to the church there wanted to give us a traditional African dinner. And so there was about 12 of us sitting on the floor around this small little room on the floor. And the food's on the ground in front of us in the middle of the room on a, a tablecloth, a tarp, you know, probably something they'd had over the top of the house before we got there. I don't know. But the food's on that. And... We did have plates, and I don't remember what we drank, so I'm assuming we still had cups, but this is what I do know. They don't eat with forks and knives. And so I thought, oh, this is okay. Hey, I can do this. I've been to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I can eat, I can eat without forks and knives. Have you ever tried to eat navy beans with your fingers? Have you ever tried to eat jello or a pudding-type thing with your fingers? It's a little difficult. So I don't know what took place here. I don't know what they had, but here's what I do know. They had everything that they needed, okay? The Lord's Supper was held in a place, and it was all initiated, and it was all prepared. Everything they needed was prepared already and and in place by Christ. So Christ, not only did he initiate it, he got everything ready for them. Number three, when was the Lord's Supper? Well, part of it is really easy to answer. And part of it, I'll open up a can of worms because it's really hard to kneel down. 
Okay, Some of you may know that. But back in the book of Mark, uh, let's just go back there. If, if you're already there, we're good. Let's see. Uh, verse 22. And as they did eat, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and he gave to them and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank it. And he, and he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. Uh, um, and he says, Verily I say unto you, I will not drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So the Lord's Supper takes place during or towards the end of the Passover meal. Okay? So they're already having the Passover meal, and then towards the end of it, you know, he basically, uh, I don't want to say invent, but he puts out the Lord's Supper. Okay? So you got the Passover meal there, and now out of that Passover, you've got the Lord's Supper being initiated. Okay? And again, now, now the tricky part, just when, when did that take place? What day did it take place? When, when did it take place? And I, I'm going to give you the best that I have. And I will tell you right up front, I'm not, I cannot with 100% certainty tell you exactly when that Passover dinner was. But I'm going to try to do my best, Okay. Let's put some facts together. We know that Jesus was at Bethany two nights before the Passover feast. I believe the following night that Jesus and his disciples were in Jerusalem partaking of the Passover meal. Okay, So we know that Jesus was later that night after the Lord's Supper, after the Passover meal, that he was later betrayed. He was captured. He was sent to Ananias, or I mean Annas. I have to watch that word when I say it because I'm kind of biased towards that guy, and I might say something else. He was sent to Annas, who had been the high priest. Then he was sent to Caiaphas, who was the high priest. Then he was tried in a sham of a trial, sent to Pilate. Pilate really didn't want to condemn him. He sent him to Herod. Herod didn't know what to do with him. He sends him back to Pilate. Everybody keeps passing the buck. And it wasn't until the Jewish leaders and the Jewish people convinced Pilate to crucify him that Pilate con- condemned Jesus. We know that that took place the night after the Lord's Supper. Okay. We know that he was placed on that cross the following morning and crucified. Jesus, as well as the thieves, were on the cross. And then they wanted to get Jesus off of that cross and into the tomb or out of sight before that nightfall. I believe that nightfall is when the majority of the people was taking the Lord's Supper, were taking the Passover, let me say, put it that way. So why do I say that? Just because when you start putting the dots together. So remember that when, when, when Jesus and the thieves were on the cross, um, they were trying to speed it up a little bit so they could get them off the cross, so they could have their feast. Now think about this. How, how, how sick, how, how uh, evil is this? We are crucifying some people on the cross with the cruelest way that we can do that. 
And yet in the middle of that, we want to speed it up, not so it'll help give them relief. We want to speed it up because we want to have a party. You ever think of it that way? I mean, these guys, these guys were something else. Well, they went to to Jesus and the, and the two thieves on the cross to break their legs to speed up the process. But when they came to Jesus, they didn't have to break his legs because he was already dead, which fulfilled a prophecy that not a, a bone of his body would be broken. They needed to get them off the cross and out of the way and out of sight before 6 p.m. that night because there was a feast day. And that feast day lining up makes sense that it was the Passover. Because here's what takes place. During the Passover, everything has to be prepared beforehand. You could not prepare the Passover meal the day of the Passover. If Passover and the, and the Jewish day starts at 6 p.m. at night, they, we normally eat dinner around 6 p.m. It's probably not any different for them. They were going to prepare their meal, their Passover meal, after 6 p.m. Everything had to be prepared before that. No, no work could be done on that day. Jesus had to be off that cross. Those other guys had to be off that cross before that time. Because on the Passover day, the feast day, there could be no work done. Okay. Now let me, let me throw one more thing in, in the mix here. So the same time that Jesus was on the cross, the rest of the nation of Israel is killing the sacrificial lamb that they're going to have that evening for their sacrifice. The tragedy is, is that the Jewish people never connected the dots between the two. They never connected that Jesus was the Lamb of God that was to come and take away our sins. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may... That ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. 1 Peter 1.18 says, We were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. And you might sit here and say, No, wait a minute. If Jesus partook of the Passover the night before and yet the... The rest of the people are having the Passover the night after. That doesn't make sense. Well, the only thing that makes sense is that Jesus and his disciples partook of the Passover the day before the rest of the nation did. And you might say, well, why would that happen? you got to remember, the city of Jerusalem is flooded with people. There's people everywhere to the feast. I would imagine that they couldn't have the feast all at the same time, so they scattered it out. So we realize that when, when was the, the Lord's Supper was initiated, it was during the Passover meal. It was the night before the crucifixion. So, okay, so what is the Lord's Supper? And this is one thing I think a lot of people don't realize. What is the Lord's Supper? It's a memorial. It's a memorial. Back in uh, uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Jesus lays it out so so. Precisely, and we've already read it, but let me read it again. 
Verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he brake it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper is something that we do to remember Jesus Christ. It's a memorial. Now, we all know what a memorial is. We even have a day, you know, Memorial Day that we celebrate. There is a World War I memorial in downtown Kansas City. How many of you have been there? See how many still awake to follow me? A lot of you, okay? I've been there. I want to go back. It's a fascinating place. But that memorial is, is there for us to remember what took place in World War I. Now, when you went there, guys, was there a war broke out? No, it's a memorial. The problem with the Lord's Supper Day, there's too many people that think that the Lord's Supper has to be redone every time it's, it's done. It was done once, the Bible says, okay? So when we partake of the Lord's Supper, it's all symbolic. The bread and the juice, it's all symbolic, okay? There is no sacrifice that's taking place here today. There is no lamb being sacrificed in this building today, okay? Jesus is not here today being sacrificed either. The, the bread is not his literal body, and the juice that we partake of today is not his literal blood. Now, I think most of us get that, but we need to really nail that down. Jesus' body was broken, and his blood was shed on the cross 2,000 years ago. And what we do today is, as a memorial is just to remember it, because when we remember it, 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 it helps us out as being Christians. The Bible says in Romans 6.10 and in Hebrews 9.28 that Jesus died once for our sins. The Lord's Supper is a memorial for us to remember that Jesus sacrificed his life to save us from our sins so that we could have eternal life, so that we could have a relationship with him. So we can know for sure where we will go when we die or the Lord comes and gets us. And yet, when the Lord saves us, when the Lord saves us from having to pay the penalty for our sins, when he redeems us, you know, he gives us some wonderful gifts. He does give us a gift of the Holy Spirit. He, he, gives, us, he gives us a home in heaven. He gives us assurances. He gives us promises. And he gives us eternal life. You know what? He didn't have to give us eternal life. Jesus could have forgave us our sins, and that would have worked. We could have lived our life, and that would have been it. But Jesus didn't stop there. He gave us eternal life. What a wonderful gift that is. And I've often thought about that. Why did Jesus give us eternal life? Well, you know, because he loves us. And here's what... I've come up with, and, and I'm not this smart to come up with this, so the Lord had to give me this too. The Lord gives us eternal life because he loves us, and it's going to take all of eternity for us to know that love. That's how much God loves us. Okay? The Lord's Supper is a memorial to remember what Christ did for us 
and what he did for us is worth remembering, guys. And then my last point is, why keep the Lord's Supper? Well, number one, we're commanded to. We have two ordinances in the New Testament church. One is baptisms and one is the Lord's Supper. And that's the two that we keep. But in our Discipleship One lessons, it gives us three reasons to why we need to keep observing the Lord's Supper. Number one is, and this is a shocker, this is pretty deep, guys, it's so we remember. Same thing that Jesus told us. We need to remember what Christ did for us. Because if it's one thing that we mess up on is forgetting the things before us. Okay. Yesterday, there, there was a wedding here. Pastor Steve performed the wedding, did a great job. I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm watching this wedding. And you know what? It caused me to think about my wedding with my wife almost 40 years ago. It just brought those things back. You know, and and uh, and I'm not I'm not a sappy kind of guy. If you know me, I'm sometimes I think you know I got a few screws loose, and I, I should be more. I should be more that way. You know, there, I'm I'm just by nature not a you know I I won't come up and give you a big hug most of the time, or or I'm certainly not going to give you a kiss, especially the guys. But I mean, I'm just not that. But yet I just couldn't help but to remember. The wedding, when, when my wife and I was, was married. And, and so it got me to remember. That's what the Lord's Supper is supposed to do in our life, to get us to remember. Okay. Also, it says here in 1 Corinthians, that we are to judge our life at that time also. So we need to stop every so often and evaluate our personal walk with the Lord. And the Lord's Supper is a great time to do that. It's when we need to stop and think, okay, am I, if I was going to stand before Jesus Christ today, am I in good shape? Well, yes, I've accepted him as Lord and Savior. I'm in God's family. All that is good. But am I, am I really, am, am I tight with him right now? Is there anything in my life that I need to work on so when I stand before him that I won't be ashamed? You know, we get there from time to time. And the Lord's Supper is a time that we need to stop and reflect on our life to see if there's anything in our life that we need to fix. Okay. All we need to do, if there is, we just do, need to do a 1 John 1, 9. You know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Have you ever used that verse in your life? I use it all the time. I kind of wish I didn't have to, but I do because I know when I mess up and when I actually sin, when I do what's wrong, if I go and ask for forgiveness, the Lord forgives me and he will you. So we need to judge our life. One of the reasons for the Lord's Supper is we just take time out to remember what he's done, to check our life, to see what we're doing and how our relationship with, with him is. And then number three, which I think is probably the least observed and the, the least thought of most people that's running through their mind, is that we need to remember that Christ is coming back. First of all, he's coming back for the bride, the church, that's us. We're going to be raptured out of here. 
I was praying this week. It happened before today. So, you know, that, that's you and me. He's going to rapture us out of here. Jesus Christ is going to come back. We're going to come back with him. And we're going to get to uh, be with him when he sets things straight, which we know they do. And things in this world are a mess. And the only hope, you know, we can sit here and, and, and hope and pray that things get better, but I don't know if they will till he comes back. But when the Lord Jesus comes back, he will set things straight. So come quickly, Lord Jesus. And so um, he's coming back and we're going to be with him, okay? So we need to remember what Christ did for us 2,000 years ago. And we need to remember what he's doing for us now. We need to remember all those answered prayers that he answers on a daily basis for us. And if you're praying, you're seeing him answer them. So we need to also remember what he's going to do for us after we leave this place, after the rapture, after our gathering to him. You know, after that, he takes us out of here. We get to go to a, a wedding, and we're going to be in it. We're going to be the bride. How many of you are looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to marriage. I don't know if I'm sure how great that is about being a bride. But uh, a little strange for us guys, but we're going to have the relationship of a marriage between Christ and his church. We're going to have a new body. Hopefully, I'm praying for one that's taller and has more hair. We're going to have a spiritual, sinless, wonderful body in a place where God is in charge, in a place where there's no more death, no more sin, no more pain. Okay, That is something to look forward to. And we're going to be a part of it, a part of Christ's kingdom forever. So Christ wants us to remember his promises to us. Because this will build our hope. It's going to build our faith. It's going to build our countenance. And these promises will give us a reason to get up in the morning. To keep serving the Lord. Because it will have been worth it when we see him. Folks, keep your eyes on Jesus. Because this world has nothing for us. Okay. So when we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper... It can be a sad day when we remember what Christ did. And it should be sad to remember what they did to our Lord before they put him on that cross and while he was on that cross. It, 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 is, it is awful what Christ did for us, for you and me. And he did that because he loves us. Okay. But it's also a joy when we know that the grave didn't keep him. Death didn't keep him. He rose from the grave. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated Satan. And he will completely defeat Satan in the near future. Okay? But he basically had him defeated when he came off that cross. And not only that, we need to remember that he has given all what he has given us who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. So the Lord's Supper was initiated by Christ... It was held in a place that was initiated by Christ. It was observed during the Passover meal of which he is our Passover. It's a memorial for us to remember that, to keep us on track, 
to give us hope and comfort. It's a reminder of what Christ has done for us, what he is doing now for us, and what he will do for us in the future. Let's go ahead and pray. Every head down and eye closed. Father in heaven, we just thank you for loving us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the promises that we find. We, we, we thank you that Jesus Christ died in our place and he was buried and he rose again. Hallelujah for that. So we, we thank you for, for he defeated death and, and he is going to rightfully get what is his coming soon and his kingdom will be established, Lord. So we thank you for that. I pray for the people that are here today that we, we know for sure what the Lord's Supper is, what your supper is, it is to remember what you've done and to remember what you're doing and to remember what you will do for us in the future and that it would give us hope. So we thank you for that. We just pray for, for uh, uh, Chris Cohen as he leads the team, Pastor Brian in Boston. We pray that you would help them to, to accomplish the mission that they went there to do and to come home safely on, on Tuesday. So we pray for that. Um, we, we just, I want to pray for everyone's here, Lord, that we would see the importance of the Lord's Supper and that we would celebrate it in our hearts, not just, not just when we, we come to, ch to church on the fifth Sunday, but w that we would remember it during, during the weeks and during the days of our life, Lord. So I want to pray for that. And I want to just take some time this morning. Everybody keep your head down and, and your eyes shut, please. If you're here today, but you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you'd like to, would you just lift your hand up? I have some people up here that would just love to be able to take you and uh, to a room and take the Bible and show you how you can know Jesus as your Savior. Because without Jesus as your Savior, the Lord's Supper means nothing to you. You need Jesus as your Savior. So is there anyone here at all? Is every Anyone that even doubts it or just needs some assurance, if you would like to know, just, just raise your hand this morning. I'm not, not going to linger long. So, All right, so um, let me continue to pray. Father in heaven, again, I just pray for uh, the Lord's Supper, which we're co commencing in just a couple minutes. I just uh, thank you for your word. I thank you for the details in your word and the facts in your word. And I just pray that you would help us to be able to dig them out to, to know the truth that you want us to know. So I, I pray for that, and uh, I just pray for our church. I pray that we'd be all about your business, getting people uh, the gospel, training them, and sending them out, Lord. And so I ask this all in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to have Randy come forward in a minute and do the announcements. And while he's doing that... Uh, if you have a, a child in, in uh, the E-Wing or somewhere that, that needs to be in with you to partake of the Lord's Supper, if they've accepted Christ as their Savior, now would be a good time to come and pick and, and get them and bring them back. And uh, Randy's going to come and give us our announcements, and then we're going to go forward with the Lord's Supper after that. Praise the Lord on that message. That was that was really good. Appreciate that. Just a couple things, just as a reminder. Most everything is in the bulletin, but just wanted to uh, mention um, that uh, 
we do have prayer teams. I didn't talk about that at the 9 o'clock service, but we do have prayer teams uh, where we pray for many of our missionaries on a regular basis. I would encourage you, if you're looking for a place to serve uh, in ministry, uh, and uh, you can't serve maybe because some, some ministries require you to be completed with de uh, discipleship one, this one is not. You, you, anybody can pray. So in the bulletin, I think it's on the back page, but in the bulletin it lists all of our missionaries, the missionary uh, team leaders, uh, and uh, you can contact them, find out when their next meeting is going to be, and join them and pray for those missionaries. Um, so that's one thing I wanted to mention. The second thing is that this, and, uh, it was mentioned earlier this morning as well, I think it during this, means the second or first service, but discipleship too is uh, a new class is starting up. I believe it's this coming week, this coming Wednesday. If you have not been through Discipleship 2 or if you want to take it again, that's okay. You can do that. You can sign up, but you need to sign up online so we get the record of, of uh, you wanting to be there. I don't actually know who's teaching the class right now. That'll, that'll vary, but I think it's probably Jason. I'm not sure about that. Is that right? Okay, Jason. Uh, Pastor Jason is teaching that class. That's on Wednesday nights at 630 so you can sign up for that, uh, no cost in that uh, or anything like that, but you can do that. If you've been through Discipleship 1 and you want to go to Discipleship 2, you can register and uh, sign up for that class. TNT, uh, Training in Truth, is uh, the Wednesday night children's ministry event starting this week. I believe it's this week or next week. I'm not sure. But it's coming up pretty quick. But you want to get your kids involved in that. Um, and I think Brady in... Um, Holly or Barnes are taking are leading that, so that's something that's going on. That starts this week on Wednesday nights and travels. Is it Wednesday night this week? Okay, thanks. And the um, as mentioned, pray for the, the team in Boston. And then the last thing I want to encourage you to do, um, we have I believe six. I'd probably have to count them, but I don't want to do that. Uh, five or six adult Sunday school classes that meet at 9 o'clock every Sunday, different places in the building. If you are not part of a, an, what we call an, a, um, an adult Bible fellowship, I want to just encourage you to, to start cycling around them and see which one God would have you to land in uh, because they are great for fellowship, they're great for study, they're great for the opportunity to minister together. Um, they're, they're, they're not designated by age group or anything like that. That's why I would encourage you to just, you know, Visit them over the next several weeks and just find out which one would work for you. My class meets in the trailer outside. Uh, Jeff Trues meets here. Jason meets in the, in the common grounds room next to the kitchen. Bob, he mentioned that he, he's the, uh, the Pat, um, Berean class. They meet on the classroom hallway over here. And then uh, Steve Fleshman in the library. So I think that's all of them. But try them out. There's five. Did I do it? Okay, I remember that. All right, well, that's all the announcements I have. Uh, we're going to transition over into the Lord's Supper. And uh, so it, everything that we heard about from Steve this morning, we're going we're gonna to do right now. And so what I would like to do is this is a reminder. Several cycles ago, I don't remember how long ago, but last summer during the, the height of the COVID, and I know we're in another height again, but during the height last year of the COVID things we we kind of tightened down on a lot of things and one of the things that we did was how did we how were we ever going to administer the lord's supper and uh, what we did was we stopped passing the plates and the, the and the, the the passing things around and we, we we had these little 
plastic, or not plastic, but little disposable or prepackaged uh, elements, both of the bread and of the juice. Uh, last time we did the Lord's Supper was in May, and I told you then that we were going to start moving back to a more traditional, more typical, typical kind of function, and that's where we're at today. If, however, you still, what we're going to do is we're going to pass the plates. The ushers are going to come. They're going to pass the plates up and down each aisle, uh, the, 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 the plate of bread and then the, 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 the plate of juice. Uh, we'll pass those up. If you are uncomfortable still with handling those, but you still want to participate out at the Connection Center, uh, and then I think in the back here, the ushers have um, the little the dis- disposable cups. If you would prefer to do it that way, we still make them available. You can grab them outside there. If anybody, let me just ask, anybody want to do it that way? We'll prefer to use the, the disposable cups. Okay, well, then we don't have to worry about it. But what I am going to ask you to do is, just like in the past, what we've done it always in the past, is as we pass the plate from one person to the next, if you just help move it along, that would be great. Uh, and then take, a, take uh, your, your portion at the time. Um, so, so one thing that, uh, that Steve talked about or, or, or uh, Bob talked about was uh, the, the, the who and the what and the where and the why and stuff like that. One of the things he didn't cover was, was um, and this typically isn't mentioned, but Jesus Christ did not uh, encourage or did not direct the entire world to participate in the Lord's Supper. There are some limitations about who can participate, so I want to go through that real quick as we get ready to participate ourselves. And the reason for it is because it's a very serious ordinance that God has, uh, that Jesus Christ has committed to us and ordained to us. It's a very serious thing. He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, I know we were in in that chapter several verses, but in verse 27, it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And so there's some things that we need to be aware of, and I just want to make a mention. It's a caution that it suggests a pause of participation. That's the way I would put it, because God wants everybody to participate, but maybe your situation needs to be on hold right now, on a pause. And so that's kind of how I'd put it. So there's some reasons for pausing and not participating today. First off, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and you're not a Christian, uh, you should not take the Lord's Supper yet. You should get saved first, and then we can move forward from there. The second thing is, those who have not been scripturally baptized should not take the Lord's Supper either, because the Lord's Supper is a is a family meal. It's a time for all of us to come together, and baptism joins you to this body, and joins you to the body of Christ, not just HBF, but to the body of Christ. And if you have not been scripturally baptized, then you should you should pause the participation as well. Um, those who are not of like faith uh, and practice of this church. So there's a lot of churches, a lot of denominations that do uh, similar type of things. They have different names for them. They call them communion, uh, the, the memorial table, various names. Um, but they may not necessarily have the same doctrinal view of salvation, baptism, things like that. Uh, and so we would ask that if you are not of script- if you're not doctrinally in alignment with HBF, uh, that you should pause today. Maybe in your own church, that would be fine. Um, so to kind of keep that in mind. And, uh, and, then, um, and so those who are still in an unrepentant state of sin, now you should definitely pause there. 
because uh, the, the, the representation of the Lord's Supper is about dealing with sin and correcting sin. And so uh, he said, he, he, Paul goes on and says in verse, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the, that bread and drink of that cup if you have dealt with your sin. So this is a good time to deal with your sin. This is a perfect time right now to, to confess your sin to the Lord and ask for forgiveness and then move on from there. Or maybe there's a, some tension between you and another person. Well, let's get it cleared up. Let's have the Lord's Supper together and not say, I'm not going to do that because I'm mad at somebody. Get over being mad. The Lord Jesus Christ took care of all those kind of things. So uh, eligible participants then would be those who are saved, scripturally baptized, in good standing in a like-minded New Testament Baptist church. Those people can participate. Those people don't need to put anything on hold. So at this time, I'm going to call the deacons forward, and we're going to get ready to take the, the, the meal um, so let me explain a couple of things when Paul talked about it, uh, some more of the who, what, when, and where. So in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. So as I said earlier, it's a very serious ordinance, and the Lord's Supper is a solemn and holy service, and it's held as often as determined by our pastor. And our pastor many years ago determined that we would do it on the, on the day that we call the fifth Sunday, whenever a month had five Sundays in it. We'll come together and we'll have the Lord's Supper. And we come together to commemorate the service uh, of, the, of the Lord's Supper, the sacrifice, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this is to be held, done, uh, remembered, until he returns, as, as Bob mentioned already. So the Lord's Supper is a reminder of the last meal of the Savior, uh, which also he, uh, Pastor Bob uh, went through with that with us. Uh, it's the last reminder of the last meal of the Savior. You can find that also not only in Mark, but also in Luke chapter uh, 22, verses 19 to 20. It's an ordinance directed by Jesus in the upper room in Jerusalem at the, as the disciples celebrated the Passover. They were being obedient to what God told them to do in Exodus chapter 12, verse 14, which would be the Passover meal. And they're just, they're just repeating that and, and keeping that in obedience. Paul also said, in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25, after the same manner, after he took the cup, when he supped, he's saying that this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. So the Lord's Supper is a reminder of our actual communion with the risen Christ, who indwells every believer and show, so is present with us. He's fellowshipping with us. So, so he was at that last supper with the disciples, but he's also with us because he's in us. That's why you need to be saved before you can take this, because you can't have fellowship with Christ if he's not here with you, inside you. In 1 Corinthians ten sixteen, Paul said, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So part of it is a reminder of the communion that we have with Christ, and part of it is because of who we are and who are, the relationship we have with him. It's a reminder of... Uh, both a corporate relationship and a personal experience that, we've, that we have indu- uh, experienced ourselves. Corporate because it's the body of believers, so it's all of us, corporate, who are eating and drinking together as one body, eating from one bread, drinking one cup, for we are trusting in one Savior. And so 1 Corinthians 10, 17, for we, are be- for we being many are, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. 
So at the same time that it's, an it's also an individual, so it's corporate, it's all of us together, but it's also individuals, you personally, me personally. Um, each person is responsible for eating and drinking individually. I can't do it for you, you can't do it for me. You have to do it yourself. But you can't do it if you have certain things that put you on pause right now. So make sure they're all taken care of. So it's a remembrance of five important truths. And I'd like to mention these real quickly. First off, it's, the, it's a reminder of the gift of eternal life that is through the sacrifice of Christ, the Lamb of God. Pastor Bob talked about that as well. It's the commitment that we have of the body of the believers and, and to Christ. So we are committing to each other just as much as we are committing to Christ and Christ is committed to us. And the third thing about this is that the affirmation of your faith in Christ of his sacrifice. His sacrifice paid, paid your sin. It paid the debt of your sin. And you are committing to, I accept that. Every time you remember his death, you're saying, I remember that he died for me. He made, he made this effort for me. That's the individual. Each one of us can say, for me, and not be in, in, you know, in anything wrong with that, because it is for me, for you. And then the last thing, as Paul, uh, Pastor Bob mentioned as well, uh, it's a reflection of the death, but also a reflection of the anticipation of the return of Christ, because one day he will return. And that's what he says, do this in remembrance of me until I return.
This piece of bread <clears throat> represents the body of, of Jesus Christ given as, as a sacrifice for the punishment of our sin. It is not a literal part of his body, but it is a representation of the broken body that he suffered in dying on the cross for, for uh, our sins. I'd like to ask uh, Richard to, to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and say thank you so much for the sacrifice that you've paid for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you've loved us enough that uh, you paid that ultimate sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Scripture goes on and says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night which he, which he, when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he was given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Take and eat.
Paul goes on in, in the next verses and he writes in Second, 1 Corinthians 11, 25 and 26. After the same manner also he took the cup which he had, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye do eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come. Rex, I'd like you to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you that you uh, sacrificed your, your blood for us, for our sin, the remission of our sin, Lord, that it is the New Testament, and uh, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us this time, that we can remember, as that's what you've commanded us to do, is remember uh, what you've done for us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and drink. As we conclude, we're going to have a song. I think Ron is going to lead us in, this, in a song of uh, rejoicing. And, uh, we'll, and at, the time, at the conclusion of the song, you'll be dismissed. Ah, fly away, oh glory, ah, fly away, when I die, hallelujah, by and by, ah, fly away, some glad morning when this life is
Thank you.